Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 26th of April 2015, entitled The Delivery and Effects of the Gospel. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Here's Brother Gareth Green. Um, tonight we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. Um, and uh, as Pastor said this morning, uh, during the morning service, I hope to um, uh, perhaps preach through this whole book of First uh, Thessalonians, God willing, over a couple of months' time. Um, uh, but yeah, you guys are all here for the first one, so thank you for coming. So, uh, yeah, First Thessalonians, chapter 1, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Verse three, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in, in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you again for your word. Uh, we want to thank you, Lord, that you've preserved this and, um, yeah, that you choose to speak to us today through it. Thank you, Lord, that your word is living and, um, Lord, that even as we're all here tonight to uh, listen to the same sermon, uh, that, Lord, that you can speak to each of us in completely different ways, um, yeah, through the same words. Um, and, Lord, we pray that um, you would just speak to each heart that which uh, needs to be spoken, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity to preach, Lord. Please uh, help me with my words. Help me to, uh, to preach, Lord. Please use me as your mouthpiece. And, um, yeah, I just pray, Lord, that we'd all um, leave this uh, building uh, this evening, uh, being more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Thank you. Please be seated. Okay, so the first book of Thessalonians is a very encouraging book. Uh, Paul uh, is the writer of the book. Um, he clearly had an affection for this church in Thessalonica. 
Um, he was also one of its founders, along with uh, the other uh, gentleman mentioned in the first verse. Uh, Thessalonica uh, was a city in Rome. It still is a city in Rome. Uh, sorry, Rome, uh, a city in Greece. Um, and it's quite a, uh, it was quite a busy city, quite a um, large population with uh, a lot of different kind of trade routes going through there, both uh, naval and um, on, on land as well. Um, and it was quite a, quite a large mixing pot for um, different uh, cultures. There was a lot of uh, Jews and Gentiles, of um, people of uh, different faiths as well. Um, and so this is the, uh, the situation that these um, Thessalonians find themselves in. Uh, and it kind of sounds a bit like us here in Birmingham today. We've got a lot of different um, people in the city um, from all different faiths, different backgrounds, with different beliefs. Um, so I'm hoping that this will be uh, a very uh, timely word to each of us here. Um, so after planting this church, uh, Paul had to flee uh, due to persecution. And after being away from the church uh, for a while, Paul sent Timothy uh, back to this church to find out how things were doing, how things were going. Um, and Timothy then returned to Paul with a report about the state of the Thessalonian church. And this letter that we've uh, just read the first chapter of is a response to Timothy's report to Paul. And the purpose of this letter was to establish them in their faith and comfort them. That's the kind of purpose of the whole book, the whole book to, um, to establish them in their faith and comfort them. Uh, we're only going to be looking at the first chapter today, obviously, um, and to help us understand what Paul wanted to achieve in this first chapter, I've split up the chapter into two sections. And these two sections are the delivery of the gospel and the effects of the gospel. So the delivery of the gospel and the effects of the gospel. In this first chapter, Paul sets the stage for the rest of the letter by painting a great picture of what the gospel did to these Thessalonians. He talks about their previous life uh, by talking about their idol worship in verse 9, their previous idol worship. Um, he talks about how the gospel was given to them in verse number 5. Uh, their conversion is also recorded in verse 6. Uh, he talks about their Christian walk in verses 3, 7, and 8. And finally, he writes about their future, uh, the second coming of Christ in verse 10. So, uh, imagine that you're a, Thess a Thessalonian. How would you feel receiving this letter from Paul? Uh, reading what uh, perhaps could be called a mini biography of your life. Over the, uh, the Christmas time, uh, my wife and I sent out newsletters, um, and there's one on the, the back, I think, uh, sent out newsletters to family and friends uh, telling them about the highlights of our year. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, after sending this letter out, we took a trip back to Newport uh, to visit some uh, family and friends. Uh, and while we were visiting uh, some of my old friends, we started talking about how life was going. Um, and part of my reply was, uh, college is going good. Uh, then the next question I got asked in a surprise voice was, oh, what are you doing in college? Um, 
And it was at that point, I looked at my friend and I realized, you haven't even read the newsletter, have you? <laughs> Despite earlier in the conversation saying, yes, I've received it. Yes, I've read it. <laughs> um, yeah, because if he had read it, then he would have known that I was in college and he would have known what I was studying as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're still friends. He's still a good friend. Um, that, that made me feel uh, a bit like he didn't know me that well. And it also made me feel like he didn't want to take the time to figure out how I was doing, despite having received a letter through the door. All we had to do was, uh, was read it. So think back with me now to the Thessalonians. How would you feel as a Thessalonian receiving Paul's letter, reading this mini biography of your life? Well, I don't know about you, but I would feel quite encouraged. Um, you know, they might have thought, Paul knows what we're going through because he cares enough about us to find out how we're doing. Just as Paul and the Holy Spirit wanted to encourage these Thessalonian believers through this book. So today, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you and I in the same way. And this encouragement was given by communicating two main things. The delivery of the gospel and the effects of the gospel. So, firstly, the delivery of the gospel. Now, before these Thessalonians could become Christians, the gospel had to be given to them. And they had to be told about Jesus before they could believe in him. And verse 5 tells us how the gospel was delivered to these Thessalonians. Let's read that again. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. <coughs> um, I want you to ask yourself the question, what does verse 5 tell me about the gospel? What does this verse tell me about how the gospel was received. Let's read that again, verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. So this tells us, uh, that the gospel was delivered to them in four different ways. So the gospel came unto them in word, in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in assurance. So, firstly, in word. In order to share the gospel, Paul had to use words. Romans 10 and verse 17 says... So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing the word of God. When uh, I was at university, uh, I saw a lot of Christians using different methods uh, to try and reach out to students with the gospel, Christian students reaching out to others with the gospel. 
when my wife and I uh, were members of our Christian union uh, at the university, uh, we did things like giving uh, free food, giving free water, um, and even uh, cleaning people's kitchens, which was quite interesting. Um, this was done with the intention of starting conversations with people when we were there so that we could talk to them about the gospel, um, answer their questions about things like Christianity and faith and God, um, also invite them to uh, Christian events and give them uh, gospel literature as well. Now, I'm sure there's a place for inventive outreach somewhere, but God's word is where the power is. Those things would have been completely pointless unless God's word was given to someone or someone shared their testimony, including gospel truths. Um, I don't know if any of you have heard the expression, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, I'm sure that you all know as well that that's a complete lie, because <laughs> I'm sure that, well, I know for myself, I've got scars um, on my arms that I don't know where they came from. And obviously, at some point in my life, that would have hurt me. Um, but also in the past, people have said things to me, and I'm sure to you as well, probably good and bad, that you'll probably remember for the rest of your life. Um, you know, words stick with us, and they're obviously uh, more powerful than sticks and stones. Um, and obviously then, God's word is powerful as well. Uh, God's word divides the soul and the spirit, and it divides the joints and the marrow. God used words to speak creation into existence. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 18, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And so from that verse, we can understand that God cares enough about his word to preserve it. Words are powerful, and especially God's words. So then, how important is it to use God's words when we share the gospel? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The gospel was received in word. And so to share the gospel, we cannot simply act in love, but must also speak the words of truth. So that was number one. Number two, the gospel came unto them in power. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The power of the gospel is evident in the changed life of the believer. If the gospel did not have any power, then it would have no effect on the believer's life. It would not cause any change. But it does have power, and it does cause change. The, evident, uh, the evidence of this power is shown in what happened to the Thessalonians after they received the gospel. Um, and we're going to be looking into this point uh, of the power of the gospel in the believer's life later on in the sermon. Um, when we're looking through the, the effect it had on the Thessalonians' life. 
that the gospel was received with the power to change people's lives. So again, firstly, the gospel was, was received in word. Secondly, in power. And thirdly, in the Holy Ghost. So, what part does the Holy Spirit play in receiving the gospel? Well, the only way that someone can be born again into the family of God is by the Holy Spirit convicting a person of their sin, illuminating the scriptures, and giving them an understanding of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is essential to receiving the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So to the natural man, the things of God are foolishness. The only reason we have a desire to know God or be closer to him is because of God himself. Left to our own devices, none of us would seek after God. So the Holy Spirit is essential to salvation because he draws us to God. And as we think about evangelism, this should give us a great deal of comfort because it is not our job to convince anyone or twist their arm or make a sales pitch to someone. It is our job to simply speak the truth in love, and the rest is up to God. The Holy Spirit works powerfully through the word of God. God said in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall pr prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. The Holy Spirit ensures that God's word will not return void. The gospel was received in the Holy Ghost. So again, the gospel was received firstly in word, secondly in power, thirdly in the Holy Ghost, and now fourthly, in assurance or with assurance. The gospel brings assurance to the believer. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings assurance because Christ lived a sinless life. Christ's death on the cross gave us the assurance, um, the assurance of eternal life because it meant that our sins could be forgiven because Jesus took the punishment that we rightly deserve. The gospel of Christ means that we can have a personal relationship with God. Uh, let's read verse 6 again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason that these believers could have joy in the midst of uh, persecution was because they had assurance. The gospel brings assurance 
because it brings with it the security of being God's child. Keep your finger in 1 Thessalonians and turn with me to Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you know that God wants you to have assurance? The assurance of knowing that you have been washed in the blood of Christ and forgiven of all of your sins. Because God didn't save you so that you could walk around being miserable or scared that you could lose your salvation. That wouldn't bring glory to God. God is glorified in you when you are joyful and satisfied in him and what he has done for you. I'll say that again. God is glorified in you when you are joyful and satisfied in him and what he has done for you. We can be confident when we share the gospel that it will bring joy. We can be confident that it will bring peace and assurance to those that accept it. This really is the best news that anyone could ever receive or anyone could ever give. So we've gone through four ways that the gospel was delivered. It was delivered in word, in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in assurance. But there also seems to be a fifth way. The end of verse 5 seems to suggest that the actions of Paul Silas and Timothy played an important role in sharing the gospel. Let's read verse number five again. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Now, I want you to note especially those last three words, for your sake. Part of the reason we guard our testimonies as followers of Christ is for the sake of others. We do not guard our testimony for our own prideful sake to say, look how holy I am. We guard our testimony primarily for the sake of Christ and for his glory and also to show the proof of God's power working in us. But as we see here, we also guard our testimony for the sake of others, so that we are not a stumbling block to them, and so that we can be an example of what the gospel can also do in their lives. So the gospel was delivered in four different ways, in word, in power, in the Holy Ghost, and in assurance. And this was accompanied by the testimony of faithful believers. 
So now that we understand how the gospel was delivered, let's make sure that we are clear about what we mean by the word gospel. The gospel is the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And obviously, before we can understand the good news of Jesus Christ, we need to understand the bad news. This good news is so good because the bad news is so bad. The bad news is that we are guilty of breaking God's law. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, so have any of you ever told a lie? Yeah, even in maybe a little half-truth? Yeah. Well, that makes you a liar. That makes me a liar. Have any of you ever stolen something? Yeah. Something small from work, maybe? Maybe a bit of undeclared income? <laughs> maybe you've downloaded a film or music illegally? Um, or maybe you've borrowed a pen for an extended period of time. <laughs> um, well, that makes you a thief. That makes me a thief. Um, have you ever taken the name of God in vain? Yeah. That makes you a blasphemer. That makes me a blasphemer. Um, what about your thoughts? What if we could put up on the screen behind us here everything that you've thought about in the past week? Why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah, if we could do that, then what would you do? You'd probably walk out of the building straight away. And so what we see here is that we are all lying, thieving blasphemers with wicked hearts. All have sinned. And because of our sins, there now exists this gap between us and God. Man has tried to bridge that gap by doing good things, like giving money or volunteering for a charity, uh, even doing religious things like going to church or singing loudly. Uh, but none of those things will bridge that gap between us and God. None of those things can ever bridge that gap. We are guilty of sinning against the righteous judge, and we will stand before him one day and give an account of our lives. And so if we were to stand before Christ on our own, we would be condemned to an eternity in hell. And that's, that's the bad news. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to earth and lived a sinless life. Completely innocent, righteous, and blameless. And having no sin of his own, he chose to take upon himself the wrath of God that we deserve for our sins. He chose to pay our sin debt in full when he went to the cross. And the good news is that if we repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then we can be forgiven of our sins and be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The only thing that can bridge that gap between us and God 
is the cross of Jesus Christ. And that means that you can have a personal relationship with God through the Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so now we know what the gospel is uh, and how it was delivered, we can now look at the effects of the gospel on these Thessalonians. What happened after the gospel was preached? What happened after they were reconciled to God? Uh, I'll split this second point up into two sections. Um, the, uh, The present and the future effects of the gospel. So, the present effects. Um, these present effects, yeah, these present effects are those which took place during the lives of the Thessalonians. Once the Thessalonians were saved, things began to change. Uh, they started to behave differently and strangely to the, the people around them. Let's read verse uh, number eight and nine of First Thessalonians chapter one, verse eight and nine. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And so what we've read here in verses 8 and 9 is what's described in verse 3 as works of faith and labours of love. Uh, I want you to notice something here that faith, uh, sorry, uh, works of faith come after someone has become a Christian. Works of faith are the evidence that someone has been saved. And now these works are not done to earn salvation, but they are done out of gratitude, joy, and thankfulness. And as we saw in verse number six, these Christians were happy to endure affliction in order to serve the living and true God. And they served him by proclaiming the gospel. Um, Some people, as I'm sure you know, uh, like to promote Uh, use the Bible to promote what's called the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. Um, However, we can see here that something very different is being practiced by these Christians. Verse 6 shows us that when the gospel came to them, they began to experience suffering. Uh, Let's read verse number 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And so a Christian experiencing suffering for doing God's will uh, is completely contrary to the false prosperity gospel. These believers had joy in persecution. And it's important to remember that um, at this point, not all suffering uh, is suffering for the Lord. Uh, Some suffering we can bring upon ourselves uh, through our own sin. However, uh, these Thessalonians uh, were suffering for being righteous. 
And we know that because of what it says to us in verse number seven. Let's read that now. So that you were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. And we can know for sure that they were not suffering because they had sinned, because Paul says here that they were in samples for other believers. Uh, let's look at verse number eight. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. And so the word of the Lord sounded out from them, so that Paul, Timothy, and Silas did not have to speak anything. The Thessalonians were actively spreading the gospel, so much so that there was no need for Paul to speak to those in Macedonia and Achaia. Um, now, Macedonia and Achaia are also in Greece, um, in the same region as uh, Thessalonica, um, but it wasn't the whole of Greece, it was just two very large regions. Um, and uh, if you take this uh, and apply it to us, it's about um, if Thessalonica was Birmingham, then it would be the equivalent of uh, the whole of the UK or just a little under the whole of the UK. And so what we see here is the Thessalonians spreading the gospel so much or in Birmingham that um, there's no need for anyone else to come into the UK to, to say anything else. Um, that's quite, you know, it's quite astonishing. That's quite a spread of the gospel. Um, yeah, that sounded uh, obviously yeah, quite a long way. Um, I want to draw your attention to verse number nine. And when we read this, I want you to think about what does verse nine tell me about uh, the effect that the gospel had on the lives of the believers? I'll say that again. Think about what verse nine tells me about the effect of that the gospel had on the lives of the believers. So verse number nine. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So let's be clear on what an idol is. Um, an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life. Uh, it can be anything. It can be uh, your career. Uh, it can be a sport. Uh, it can be money. Um, it can even be things like uh, shopping, you know, things like that. Um, and so to help us identify our idol, what could be our idol, um, I've got a list of questions here that we're going to go through together. Um, what do you worry about? Uh, what preoccupies your mind? What's the first thing that you think about when you wake up in the morning? Uh, what do you daydream about? Uh, where is your money going? Um, and so hopefully, I've had, uh, hopefully uh, you've had some chance there to think about those and uh, identify perhaps what could be um, your idol if you, uh, if you do have one. Um, and if that's something that came to mind when we were going through these things, 
is something other than God, then that could be uh, your idol. Um, verse 9 tells us that these Thessalonians uh, turned to God from idols. Um, and now that's slightly a strange way to order the sentence. Um, I'm dyslexic and even I can see that slightly, um, slightly strange. Um, to God from idols. Uh, usually you'd say turned from idols to God. Um, and the reason that I believe that uh, this is, is because uh, they did not turn to God after they became dissatisfied with their idols. They became so overwhelmed by God that they had to turn to God. They did not turn away from idols and then start looking for something else to entertain them. That God was what drew them, not a desire for something, uh, something new once they lost interest in their old idols. So they turned to God from idols, not from idols to God. The living and true God captivated them and they could not look away. And when it comes to our evangelizing, when we present the gospel to people, um, this shows us that we don't have to convince them that the idols are so bad that they need to start looking for something better. Um, I'm sure there's a place for that um, you know, in things like apologetics and things. Um, but we simply need to present the gospel, uh, sorry, present the God of the Bible to them. And if God wills it, then they will not be able to turn away. If someone does not accept the gospel, it is not because God is not good enough. And so we've looked briefly at the present effects of the gospel. Now let's look quickly at the future effects of the gospel. Uh, let's read verse number 10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And so these future effects, the future hope uh, that the gospel brings is the second coming of Jesus Christ. The believer has the assurance that Christ will return again for all those who put their faith and trust in him. Christ has promised that he will return for his church. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Um, I'm sure you've heard people say that uh, life is like a dressing room. Um, what we uh, what we do in this life will affect us for the rest of eternity. Um, things we invest our time in now will affect us for the rest of eternity. Um, we can either choose to spend an eternity in joyful fellowship with God, or an eternity being punished for our sins. Understanding the second coming of Jesus gives us motivation for living. Uh, it gives us peace for the hard times, 
Uh, it gives us certainty at where we go when we die. It gives us comfort knowing that one day we will see fellow Christians again. Christ can return at any time, so may our gospel sharing be urgent and passionate. So, uh, yeah, let's recap the main points. The gospel was delivered in four different ways. Um, in uh, the word, in power, in the Holy Ghost, and with assurance. And these four things were accompanied by the testimony of faithful believers. The effects of the gospel. Uh, the present uh, effects of the gospel uh, were the changed life of the Thessalonians uh, and that uh, they served God uh, by spreading uh, the gospel throughout um, all the regions. Uh, and the future effects of the gospel is Christ's return um, and the assurance of the believer being able to go to, to heaven. So um, be encouraged that when you evangelize with God's words, they will not return void. Um, and now I want to issue you, each of you, a challenge. Um, I want to challenge you as we're going through the book of First Thessalonians. I challenge you to, to read the entire book. Um, it's only five chapters there. Uh, I could probably get through that in, well, it depends how fast you read, I suppose. Um, but this, yeah, uh, I challenge you to read the whole book of First Thessalonians. Um, the second challenge is I want you to pray about how God wants to use you to evangelize. Um, does God want you to take part in evangelistic activities uh, at, uh, at our church? Um, does he want you to start a new ministry, um, exploring some different areas that um, yeah, God has uh, perhaps particularly laid on your heart? Um, or maybe even God wants you to be part of a church plant. Um, yeah, God can use you to do anything. Um, so yeah, let's just be in, pr uh, in prayer about how God would seek to use us to uh, fulfill his great commission. And yeah, I hope you're encouraged to evangelize knowing that it's all in God's hands. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that you've preserved your word to encourage us uh, as we evangelize, uh, encourage us um, in uh, sharing the gospel, encourage us in knowing that uh, it's through your power alone that um, people are saved. It's nothing to do with uh, with us. It's only, it's only in you, Lord. We don't have to uh, give a sales pitch. We just have to speak the truth in love. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do that. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to uh, be studying your word um, and be renewed by it day by day, uh, washed by it. Um, and Lord, I pray that you'd also speak to our hearts about how that you would use us, how you'd seek to use us to evangelize, uh, whether that's uh, exactly what we're doing at the moment or whether that's um, doing uh, something different or whether that's just doing uh, doing more and more. Um, Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, guide us as to what it is that you'd uh, seek for us to do, Lord. I pray that you'd bless the ministries that uh, you've allowed this church to uh, to do. I pray, Lord, that, uh, yeah, if it's your will, that um, the, the ministries would grow. I pray, Lord, that uh, even further down the line, uh, perhaps years and years, uh, that you'd allow this church to uh, plant more churches as well and just uh, see um, your gospel spread through uh, the regions beyond, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for what you did in the lives of the Thessalonians. And thank you, Lord, for what 
you are doing in our lives and will do in our lives as well, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.